This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now, enjoy today's message with Travis Bronner. Uh, we're, we're continuing our anthems series where we're talking about worship with music. And today's anthem that we're going to talk about is King of Kings. And a few weeks ago, uh, just before Easter, we wrapped up our Kingdom of Heaven series where we uh, talked about the kingdom of heaven, which is the kingdom of God. And we covered a little bit then about what a kingdom is. And a kingdom is simply a king's domain. It is that which a king has dominion or authority over. And so today, as we're looking at the king of kings, we understand that it is the authority over all other authorities, the king of kings. And so we read about this in Romans chapter 13, verse 1, which says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. There is no authority that that does not fall under the dominion of God himself. Psalm 103, 19 says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. He is the king of all kings. Any king or other authority that is in place, he is over that authority. And I like this song uh, for a lot of reasons, King of Kings, but one of them is that it really covers a lot of our essential beliefs. And if you've been to our uh, membership class starting point, uh, we talk some about our essential beliefs. Uh, And we have a class called We Believe, which covers our essential beliefs. And I think we're going to put the QR code up here. If you haven't seen the video, the recorded video, and you're curious about uh, our essential beliefs, uh, then you can go online, click uh, the link there. If we don't have the QR code, you can go online. (laughs) You can find the link there to We Believe, which is a a summary of our essential beliefs. It's about an hour-long recorded class uh, where you can uh, see and understand and hear uh, the core values, the core beliefs that, that, uh, in which we have unity. Uh, and so we encourage you to do that if you haven't. But this song uh, really summarizes our essential theology, and, and it does so in, in four verses and a chorus. And it's pretty incredible how much theological truth is crammed into this one song. We, we sing about God. We sing about the triune nature of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We sing about mankind and our condition in sin. We sing about salvation and eternity. We sing about angels. We sing about the church. And there it is right here. All of those things that you can, you can uh, open up your phone, you can click that link, that QR code, and that will take you uh, to the We Believe class where uh, you can, if you haven't seen it before or if you have seen it and it's been a while, uh, brush up on our essential beliefs. So uh, very, um, very extensive and yet condensed so that we can fit that all into a, a one-hour class there. Um, now, we're talking about music here. This is a song that we're talking about. And uh, I enjoy music. I can appreciate music mostly because there is no musical talent anywhere in any fiber of my being. Um, and uh, I can't create music uh, with my voice or with an instrument, at least in a way that anyone's going to want to listen to. Um, but, but I appreciate music. Um, and music has feelings with it, doesn't it? There's different kinds of music that elicits different feelings. And it can put you in a different mood sometimes, which is why we have different music in different settings. For instance, some people like to listen to music when they work out, when they exercise. And like, uh, like athletes like to listen to a certain uh, type of music before an athletic competition because it almost elicits 
somewhat of like an adrenaline rush in preparation for that, that competition. And then there's music that we listen to to relax, to calm down, like if you're sitting at home alone in the quiet and you play that, that music that helps to calm you, kind of like spa music, if you will. And that's the reason that I can guarantee you'll never, in, in a, a competitive arena of athleticism, hear spa music playing before the game. <laughs> Nor will you go to a spa and hear hard rock, rap, or hip-hop as people are trying to relax. You see, there are different types of music that elicit different moods and different feelings. Those that have studied musical theory know that there are different keys that are played to elicit uh, specific feelings in the listener. And not only does music have feelings, music has memories, doesn't it? Like there can be songs that, that take you back uh, to a memory, and it could be a good or a bad memory. And it can take you back to a place and a time and a situation where all you have to do is hear that song and, and you're there. And uh, Clint Black has a song, State of Mind, and he says this, ain't it funny how melody can bring back a memory, take you to another place and time, completely change your state of mind. You hear that song and you're there suddenly, right? It has memory. Now, we're going to play a couple of songs this morning, and we're going to play a game with it. Um, and some of these songs may have some memories attached to them for some of you, um, but that's not the game that we're playing. We're going to play a game called What Are the Lyrics? Okay? So we're going to play a, a clip from a song, and, and if you think you know the lyrics that we're just saying, from that line, you raise your hand. The first one that raises their hand is going to get an opportunity to tell me what they said, to tell us all what they said, and if you get it right, you get a gift card. The prize is involved, okay? All right, now, I don't want to know the year that it was released. I don't want to name a song. I don't want to know the artist or all those things. In one of these songs, one of the words is very obvious. You don't get credit for that word, okay? All right? So we're going to start with the first song, Katie, when you're ready. And I'm going to watch for a hand. I think we need to go up on the volume because I ain't, I ain't singing it. Okay, I got a hand right. We're going to play it again first, though. Play it again with the volume up so we can all hear it. Welcome, everyone, to Woodland Hills Family Church. <laughs> supposed to name the lyrics. I saw a hand over here that went up, okay? Right here. What, what are the lyrics that he just sang? Nope. Okay. Yes, right back here. Let's see if she's right, Katie. Burning out his fuse up here alone. She gets it, and she gets $25 to Parlor Donuts. So can you all pass that back? All right, thank you. Okay, good job. Now, I played this game by myself. Here's what I thought he was saying. Turning up a few of Spirillo. <laughs> I was wrong. I would not have gotten the gift card. Okay, so we got another one. We're just doing one more because we do have a sermon to get to. So we're going to do one other song. Now, there's a setup for this one. This song was originally uh, written by Richard Berry and later released in 1957, but a few years later, another band recorded and released this song, and it became widely popular even to this day, and so we're going to play that clip again. I don't know what the artist or the date. Um, we need the lyrics that they are saying. I need you to repeat the lyrics that they are saying to me, so go for it. Yeah. 
You don't get credit for Louie Louie. No one. No one in the first gathering had it either. Okay, so you're right there with them. Okay, now, so we're going to, we're going to, oh, we have one. Oh. Okay, I, I, I need the, besides the Louie Louie. No, that's the chorus. Yeah, we know that. Okay, so no one got it, so we're going to play this a different way. I need the first person that knows the band that recorded that version right, right here. The Kingsman, very good. Okay, you get the prize, even though no one knew the lyrics. And so let's put the lyrics up there so we can see what they were. Me sail that ship out all alone. Me never think how I'll make it home. Obviously. <laughs> so the first thing I think is I didn't realize that Jar Jar Binks wrote this song. <laughs> but again, I played this game by myself too, and here's what I came up with. Etail a tia pow all alo, we leverty pow o me ti make an o. I thought it made perfect sense. So what we learned from this is that lyrics matter, right? Have you ever heard a song from your youth or years ago that you hadn't heard in a while, and this time for whatever reason you understand it? Yeah, and you hear it and you're like, oh, I didn't know. That. I can't believe they said that bunch of potty mouths. And then you're like, oh, I can't believe I sang that. I'm a potty mouth. But then you're reassured because you weren't singing those words. You were singing, we lever till Tia Paolo, or whatever you thought they were saying. But lyrics matter, especially when it comes to worship. And again, we've covered this before, but worship is acknowledging who God is and what he's done for us. And worship is more than music, it's more than a day of the week, it's more than a place, it's more than a group of people, but music is one of the ways through which we worship. And because of that, we know that lyrics matter, right? And, and, and music has feeling, but words have meaning. That's what we're talking about, the lyrics. Words have meaning. Let me give you an example. Who here is familiar with the Macy's Day Parade? A lot of you, who here acknowledges there is no such thing as the Macy's Day Parade? Okay, there is no holiday which we celebrate called Macy's Day. We have Thanksgiving Day on which there is a parade sponsored by Macy's. You see how they've done that over the years, right? If you watch the parade, though, they say it. It's the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, but we've come to know it as the Macy's Day Parade. One word makes all the difference. How about the Pledge of Allegiance? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. But, yeah, with, with an A, not an A, America. <laughs> if you change that one word, America, say to Mexico or to Canada or any other country, completely changes everything about that pledge, doesn't it? It's not the same pledge. Words have meaning. And therefore, as we're looking at our worship with music, we know that words have meaning. Therefore, it is important for us to filter the things that we are declaring through our primary source of truth, which is Scripture. And so today, as we're looking at this song, King of Kings, uh, which is the title of this anthem, this, this uh, descriptor of God, King of Kings, is found several places in Scripture in a lot of different passages. But one of them is Revelation 9.16, which says, On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, I said it, that this song kind of summarizes a lot of theological truths, all of our uh, essential theological truths, 
and it does it in four verses in a chorus, and it does it in a way that we like, that, that's kind of fun to follow, because it does it kind of in story fashion. And we like stories, don't we? We like particular types of stories, like these types of stories, right? Superhero, action superhero stories. We love it. And we eat it up, and that's evident by the, the money that these movies make at the box office and on streaming services in different ways. And we love, we love these stories, and they all have similar things in common. There's a hero with a rescue. There's evil and darkness. There's a struggle. There's sacrifice. There's victory. And then there's happily ever after, unless, of course, they're setting you up for a sequel, right? But all these elements tend to be in all of these stories. But the interesting thing is, is that none of these stories are original. Like over the past couple hundred years through comic books and movies and TV shows, these stories have been told. But the fact is there's one original true story on which all of these things are based. And, and as a matter of fact, it is the story of us, the story of mankind, from beginning of creation and through to the end, a real-life story. Frank Turek uh, is an apologist, and with his son, Zach, wrote a book called Hollywood Heroes. And in their book, they describe a lot of these Hollywood stories, these superhero stories, and reveal how God is actually revealed through some of these. Why? Because they're all based on an original, true rescue story. And as a matter of fact, I think this can be a problem for someone who has never heard the gospel of Christ, who has seen all of the Hollywood stories, may hear the gospel of Christ and think, well, that's just another mythical Hollywood story, not realizing this one was written thousands of years ago, far before any Hollywood writer put together one of these stories. But Frank Turek says this, there's something that enthralls us about stories where human lives are put in danger, that depict a real struggle between good and evil, that show how love and dedication can ultimately overcome even the most hopeless of situations. And then he goes on, we long for another world, that we were really made for. And we are enchanted by someone who will bring us there, someone who will fight evil and bring us safely to a world where there is no pain, suffering, or struggle. That's why we love these stories. We eat them up at the theater and streaming. We consume them because why? We have an inherent love for the rescue story. Why? Because we inherently have a need for rescue. We have uh, inherently a condition that requires rescue. You see, regardless of how far we get removed from the moment of sin and unrighteousness, the original sin and the fall, no matter how far we get from that, it is ingrained in us, that sin condition, and the death consequence of it that requires a rescue. So this song, King of Kings, is telling a story, telling a story of the real-life struggle, the story of, of a tension between between God's image-bearing creation and, and the evil that is among us because of sin. It tells also of a real-life hero. And so let's get into the song, starting with verse 1. It says, In the darkness we were waiting without hope, without light. Till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes. To fulfill the law and prophets, to a virgin came the word, from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt." So in this first verse, we, we have the scene that gets set. We have this, this condition, this darkness, and that we're waiting, that there is an evil presence among us, and we're without hope. 
And also, we have this good, right? The ultimate good. And we read about these two opposing forces in John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's the enemy. That's Satan. He has one thing in mind, and that's evil for the sake of evil. Evil. No, No purpose in the evil except for to destroy us through sin and death. And, and to thwart the good that God is and the work that he is trying to do. So we have ultimate good versus ultimate evil set up in this, in this uh, first verse, each with contrasting purposes. Now, a hero comes running, right? The hero came running from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the word was God. The word is Jesus. He has been eternal with the Father in heaven, and he sent him. And how did he come? He came running, because he knew that we needed a rescue. He came running, but he didn't make a grand entrance like the superheroes that we know of on the big screen. He didn't, he didn't push a button, and suddenly this, this suit of armor covers him with artillery all over it, and the helmet comes over, and Black Sabbath playing in the background, right? That's Iron Man. (laughs) Nor did he go to a phone booth, spin around real fast, and come out wearing a cape and tights, and for whatever reason, underwear over his tights. (laughs) He didn't make one of these entrances, but he came running. How? To a humble setting as a newborn baby, a cradle in the dirt, a helpless newborn, a humble, helpless newborn to a family that didn't have any, any political clout, that didn't have really any authority, didn't have financial means. Why? Because that represented his purpose in coming as the servant savior that he was to be. Now let's look at the chorus. It says, praise the father, praise the son, praise the spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the king of Kings. Now, here's some more of our rich, essential theology in this chorus. We believe that God is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're inseparable from one another. They are co-equal with one another. They are co-eternal with one another. And this is an attribute of God that is hard to understand. There are distinctions yet oneness, which sounds somewhat like an oxymoron, right? Distinctions with oneness. There is unity with diversity. And again, it's, it's hard to understand. And if that confuses you, the best thing I can say is welcome to the club because it is confusing. It's an attribute that, that is really incomprehensible. And that's one of the things about God is we can't fully understand him. But while he is incomprehensible, he is knowable. We can't understand him, but we can know him because of his revelation in creation through his word and ultimately the person of Jesus Christ because he came running we can know him now whom to whom do we praise in this chorus praise the father praise the son praise the spirit three in one we're praising God you can't praise one without praising the other and so who came running Jesus did and and who is Jesus he is God John 10.30 says, I and the Father are one. He is the King of kings who came running. So why did he come running? Look at verse 2 of this song. It says, to reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost, to redeem the whole creation, you did not despise the cross. 
Now, here comes the struggle part of our story, okay? For even in your suffering, you saw to the other side, knowing this was our salvation, Jesus, for our sake, you died. And this is a struggle like no other. Again, we've got on one side a savior, on the other, the enemy. The enemy with his weapons of sin and death. And Jesus is about to enter into this, taking on the consequences of sin, both spiritually and physically. Bearing the sin of all mankind, the spiritual death that was sin, separation from God, from the Father, when he says, why have you forsaken me? And at that moment, he bore the, the, the spiritual consequence of sin, and then, of course, a physical death as he died. And this was a struggle like nothing you've ever seen in a movie before. And maybe you have seen the scene in the garden depicted uh, on the screen, and it's pretty powerful. But we, we read the words of Jesus there in Luke twenty two forty two. 42. He says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Did he really want to? He wanted to because he knew he saw what was on the other side as our salvation, as our rescue. But he knew this was, this was ugly. It was grueling. It was painful. It was everything bad. And then he died. And this is the scene in our story uh, that's pretty grim. That's pretty dark. Uh, you can imagine in a movie scene where the, the, there's not much light, there's darkness. And if there was music playing, it's very low in one of those depressing keys, right, for the music theorists. It's very sad. If you've ever been to a, a Good Friday service, it's a somber celebration, isn't it? It's a somber time uh, because this is when our Savior died. And it's when it can appear, for those that don't know what's coming Sunday, that the enemy has won. And this is a time and a moment where many of us find ourselves, like we talked about last week, fighting battles. We're in a battle, and we're looking around wondering, where is my rescuer? Where is the salvation from this moment? Um, it can be relational, it can be with your family, it can be at a job, with your health, any number of battles that we might be fighting. And it's dark, isn't it? The psalmist reminds us, though, in Psalm 46, 1 through 3, that says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. When is he that help? Look at verses 2 and 3. Sounds like that scene of the movie where everything's just crumbling apart. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. That's the scene, and it feels dark. And you may be in that moment, in a battle, where it feels dark. But, but, the story isn't over, is it? Look at verse 3. And the moment that you rose, all of heaven held its breath, till that stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death. And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe, for the souls of all who'd come to the Father are restored. This is the scene in the movie where the hero goes off. Fun to watch, right? Where there's that darkness and that somber music and everything, and suddenly the hero starts using superpowers you didn't know existed, pulling weapons from places that look, frankly, uncomfortable, taking out every enemy around and going off. And you may be in the theater or sitting at home, literally like pumping your fists and excited about this scene. And this is the moment we're singing about in verse three here. 
the lamb had conquered death. What a weapon, right? Our superhero, this weapon, very simple, yet the most powerful weapon known to mankind, he resurrected from the dead. Resurrected from the dead. In this line, the angels stood in awe. I, I, I kind of picture the angels that are, that, are, that are watching and involved. Here's another essential for you. Angels that are created beings by God, the number is set. We don't become angels when we die. They are the agents of his work. And, and, and they see this take place. They were there watching this take place. When, when Jesus rose, when he was resurrected. And I can imagine what some of the angels were saying to one another as they're watching it. They're like, that just happened, right? A pretty exciting scene. And um, have you ever been watching a movie in your living room or somewhere else where someone walks in like in the, the scene in the end, like the battle scene, okay? And, and they're like, who's that? And you're like, oh, that's the hero. Okay, and you're watching, and they're like, well, well, what's he doing? Well, that's his superpower. Okay. Who's the other guy? Well, that's, that's the villain. What's he doing? Well, okay, you know what? Let's just rewind two and a half hours, and we're just going to start from the beginning. It'd be quicker than me explaining everything that's going on here. It'd be easier. Have you ever watched the movie with that person? Right? So the angels, these created beings, this is pretty cool. The angels are not that person. They're the ones that have been there for the entire show. They have seen our entire story play out. You see, they were there at creation. They were, the angels were there when mankind fin, fell to sin. They, it was an angel that delivered the news to Mary that she's going to conceive and give birth to Emmanuel, God with us. It was an angel that declared to the shepherds, the Savior has been born. It was an angel that comforted Jesus in the garden as he was praying, Father, please take this cup from me. And it was angels that were in the empty tomb when the women showed up and they said to her, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is risen. You see, these angels have, have been uh, observing and part of our whole story. Now, if you're watching a movie with someone, uh, have you ever watched a movie with someone that really gets involved in the movie? And I mean physically, especially a, a superhero action movie. That's my wife, okay? Like, she, I, I'm convinced that she thinks somehow that she is helping the superhero to fight the battle because if I'm sitting next to her in the midst of the battle, she's throwing punches and kicking and, like, like, like helping the superhero. And it's is a dangerous seat to be in, frankly. And so we still watch movies together, but where I sit depends on what we're watching. If it's a romantic comedy, you know, I'm right there with her. But if it's an action hero movie, uh, frankly, I put her next to my daughter because I can't take hits like that at my age. Um, and my daughter can be the same. So it's like this fight is playing out, you know, between the two of them as they're watching an action hero movie. But I, I don't know what the angels, how they have reacted for sure, watching things play out. But I'm, I'm guessing it's been a, a pretty neat thing for them to watch and to react to. Like my wife is, gets physically involved and we don't know exactly how the angels have reacted, but we do know one thing about the angels' reaction to something. Luke 15.10 says, There is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Isn't that cool? At the moment of your salvation, the angels were fist-pumping, high-fiving, chest-bumping. Maybe, I don't know how they celebrate or how they rejoice. Maybe even like an, a, a choreographed end-zone dance, um, which I think would be pretty cool. I don't know how they rejoice, but that's, that's kind of how I picture it. Why? 
why were they rejoicing? Why are they rejoicing? Because they just saw that someone has been restored to the Father. They were there at the moment of the fall of mankind to sin. They, they saw it happen. They know that that took place. And then fast forward to right now, a sinner that repents, they rejoice. Someone that has seen the whole movie play out. What a rejoicing. Now, we have the scene set. Jesus, our hero, with his foot standing on the chest of the enemy because he has disarmed him. He's disarmed him of his most powerful weapons, which is sin and death. Right? And we have this victory. This victory. And so we're going to move into to verse 4 where we're going to talk about the victory lap. I call this the victory lap verse of this song. It says, And the church of Christ was born, and the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not faint. By his blood and in, in his name, in his freedom, I am free for the love of Jesus Christ who has resurrected me. The first thing you'll notice here, here in a little bit, we're going to close by singing this song together. And I want you to notice as you're singing this song, you may remember it because we've, we've sung it often, the crescendo that takes place at the end of verse 3 and then at verse 4, it's loud, which is great because then I can sing out loud and no one cares. <laughs> but that feeling, remember, music has feeling, right? And that's a feeling that's good. It's good that the music moves us in that way because the feeling we should get when we're singing about this is victory because we have victory in Jesus, don't we? There's a hymn there, some of you know. We have victory. We hear about another essential here in this last verse about the church, about the collective body of believers, the church. It is the vehicle by which this gospel truth of old shall not kneel or faint. That is us. The Spirit lit the flame. And we, the followers of Jesus, are going to help this truth not kneel or faint. Even if we don't, the rocks will cry out that Jesus is Lord. They will declare him but what an honor and a privilege to get to be a part of this. You see, we're in what we call the church age. Christ came running. He's our rescuer. He suffered. He participated in the struggle, and he went through it, and he died. He conquered death by resurrecting back to life. Now, right now, he left us, and he has left the Holy Spirit with us, and we are in the church age in this church age, we continue to fight battles. And, and that, that's why it can feel pretty dark. Because Christ has, has conquered sin and death, but you may still feel that darkness because we are still in the presence of sin and death. But maybe the coolest thing of all is that he came running once and he has departed to be with the Father in heaven. But guess what? He's coming again. He's going to come running again. And it ain't going to be as a baby in a cradle. It, it, it's going to be quite the scene. The father's going to turn to him and say, go. He's going to say, fight that final battle. And go claim those that are with us. Claim our church. I, I picture that. With, with, with Jesus in heaven standing next to the Father. And he's not sitting back, just kind of hanging out till the Father gives him a prompt. He longs for us. And, and I picture him like a caged animal, ready to go. And what a scene it's going to be when the Father says, go. 
You've seen the superhero movie where the superhero comes bursting through the clouds. It's not original. We know that Jesus is coming in the clouds. And guess what? At that moment, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. He is the Almighty. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. And heaven on earth and under the earth. That's the scene. You talk about a battle. You talk about that just happened. And it's coming. We read about it in Revelation 17, 14. It says, they will make war on the lamb, the enemies. And the lamb will conquer them, period. He will conquer death finally. Death is the final enemy to be defeated. We can be freed from the spiritual death that we can experience because of sin, but at that point, we will, we will taste physical death no more. The lamb will conquer them, for he is Lord of lords and king of kings. He is the, the authority over all other authorities, and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. Followers of Jesus, that's us. We're the ones standing behind him as he's taking the enemy out once and for all. Destroying anything that causes pain, destroying anything that causes suffering, removing us from the presence of sin and ultimately removing us from physical death and into glory. Though we still fight battles, we can stand in victory though because we know that he has removed from us if we desire the consequences of sin. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be rescued. If you haven't done that, our prayer team, after we sing this last song together, will be down front, and they would love to meet with you and talk to you about that or pray that with you. You see, Paul in 1 Corinthians talks about our condition now and what is to come when we experience that, that final battle, and we get that final victory. He says, this, this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Jesus has his foot on the chest of the enemy. He's disarmed him of his most powerful weapons of sin and death. And then frankly, in scripture, he talks trash. Oh, death where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Church, let's uh, stand as we close declaring our condition, who our rescuer is, and the victory that we have in him by singing King of Kings.
so much for joining us today. God bless you all. Have a great day today.